1: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC football podcast. My name is Joey Weaver. I'm a Georgia Tech grad and a Louisville fan. He is Mike McDaniel. He is a Virginia Tech grad and a Notre Dame fan. Mike, first question, you want to talk about the uh, North Carolina season?
0: Uh, probably one of the only people that does. Uh, <laughs> I know their, their fans certainly don't want to talk about it, but you know that's what we're here for.
1: Yeah, we're going to recap the Tar Heels 2017 campaign. Uh, a lot more struggles than positives coming out of this, but... Uh, important that we talk about kind of what happened and what we're looking at moving forward here. Uh, so we're going to be recapping North Carolina's season to start out, Mike, probably worth mentioning uh, our preseason predictions uh, in our preseason uh, season preview for North Carolina. You and I both picked the Tar Heels to go six and six. And then we had Jeff Greenberg on to preview the season and they went, uh, he predicted them to go seven and five. Turns out they went three and nine. They only won one game in conference. Uh, Really left a lot to be desired, but, I mean, is that, is that not a fair prediction? And is it understandable, I guess, why they didn't meet what predictions we had for them?
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, the entire team was hurt. I mean, that's really what it boils down to. Now, we knew it was going to be a rebuild. We said 6-6, six and six, and I think you and I, and Jeff, when we previewed North Carolina, I think we were all kind of under the impression that, hey, you know, the Tar Heels were definitely undergoing a rebuild this year anyway. Uh, six or seven wins was not out of the question, but it was probably more on the optimistic end of things. So the fact they didn't end up there and the reasons why they didn't end up there, I think, kind of really just shine through pretty early in the year. Um, injuries all over the offense and the defense, um, obviously a rebuilding unit on both sides of the ball. Anyway, you lose Mitch Trubisky, um, you lose Gene Chizik. You know, there's a lot of stuff going on there that um, end up playing into why they ended up at three and nine. It was kind of a perfect storm, honestly. I mean, they were one and seven in the ACC. They let a couple of games slip away that they probably could have won. So you have all that kind of add up to why they ended up where they ended up. And, you know, I don't think that we were totally off base saying, hey, six and six. I think it was a pretty fair prediction. It was a little on the optimistic side, but they could definitely get there given the schedule that they had. But they really struggled throughout most of the season anyway. And that was before the injury. So, yeah, just a tough season overall for North Carolina. But I think it was pretty clear um, going into the year that this was going to be a rebuild.
1: Yeah, that was that was pretty clear. I I think that. They um, they struggled a lot of this year to find an identity. I mean, they were going back and forth between Chaz Surratt and Brandon Harris before finally settling on Nathan Elliott as a quarterback. Um, dealing with that kind of turmoil amidst all the other injuries that were kind of going going around, it's understandable that they they really struggled. And there wasn't just there just wasn't a lot of consistency in terms of who was on the field at any given time. You know, who was the star of each game, blah 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 blah. So it, it was a, a Hard rebuilding year uh, for the Tar Heels here. Best win of the year. I, I think it's pretty clear is their only conference win, Mike. A 34 31 road win over Pittsburgh. Uh, they only had two others a road win at Old Dominion and a home win over FCS Western Carolina. It, I mean, fair to say that the win over Pittsburgh is the best, best win of the year for the Tar Heels.
0: Yeah, I mean, we don't exactly have many to choose from, so I guess yeah. that's the one we're gonna have to pick. Uh, yeah, the only conference win—it was a team that beat number two Miami in the last week of the regular season. Um, so that—I mean—that's a good win, obviously for North Carolina. Of course, uh, the game against Pittsburgh took place before that Miami game did, uh, between you know Pitt and the Hurricanes. But yeah, I mean, it's a good win, and the quality of that win kind of shines through when. You know, you see Pitt a couple weeks later go and and beat the Hurricanes, the team that was in the college football playoff picture. So uh, even though Pitt went 5-7 and this year, I mean, they were uh, were a team that let a few games slip away as well. And, you know, they were a decent enough team um, in a rebuild for them as well. You know, they didn't have Nate Peterman, so on and so forth. So, yeah, that's a good win. It's the only conference win. Their other two wins are Old Dominion and Western Carolina. So I think by default it has to be that Pittsburgh game.
1: Yeah, fair enough. So, I I mean, that... That leads us into the next part, which is, you know, a little more of a uh, – a lot more options to pick from, we'll say, toughest loss on the year. We talked about this a little bit before uh, coming on here. I think that the the toughest loss they might have faced in terms of, you know, what it meant for them in the season might be a 20-14 to 14 home loss against Virginia in October. Uh, but I think you had an idea of a, a game a couple of weeks later that might have been a little tougher.
0: Yeah, 24-19 loss to Miami. I mean, look. North Carolina was in a really good position to win that football game. They were right there, and if you're out, they were at home. Miami didn't play their best game. Willie Crowe's was really struggling. Nathan Elliott came out of nowhere and played well in that game. To let some boy the way they did, I think, is a pretty tough one to take, um, especially when you're right in that football game. You go in having no expectations. Nathan Elliott's your third-string quarterback. You go in and compete that entire game, only to lose there down to the wire. So I think that might be the candidate for top this loss, but you didn't really have expectations that they win that game. The fact that you're right in there in the fourth quarter really says something about the performance there.
1: I think that's the encouraging thing. If you are a North Carolina fan though, is that despite losing nine games, there were a few blowouts here and there throughout that schedule, but most of those games, I mean, they were in them late. They weren't big blowout losses. Um, you know, a 33-21 loss at NC State at the end of the year, the 24-19 to Miami, uh, 20-14 to Virginia, Ah, twenty-seven seventeen to Duke, forty-seven thirty-five to Louisville. Like they, you know, th- these games were not just total runaways that uh, UNC was just rolling over and, and getting beat. So this team played with some fight. We we talked about that t- down the stretch. They did not quit. Uh, the, the team kept showing effort late in the year, and and I think that's a, a very commendable thing for a very clearly lost season. You know, by the time you get to the end of September, you could sense that this thing was not going anywhere anytime fast. So. Um, but, you know, impressive to see that, at least from UNC down the stretch. Uh, Michael, let's talk about Larry Fedora. I don't, I don't think there's any assistant changes here on the staff. Uh, I, I know that they hired Tommy Figpin as an assistant. He was a former linebacker from Chapel Hill. But other than that, okay, so we've talked a little bit about Larry Fedora. Probably not on the hot seat. But my question becomes, did he maybe miss his window? There's been a lot of talk about him trying to go find a job elsewhere. Did he miss his window after you know now waiting through this year? Is there is some of the shine off of him as a coach?
0: Uh I mean probably. There were a lot of really good head coaching openings for him to potentially take advantage of last year. There was the LSU job that was open, um, Baylor, which nobody really wanted to take, but Fedora was just seemingly always linked there. You know, there were a handful of positions that you know you really could have seen him taking. Um, Texas was open for a little while. I'm not sure how serious, you know, he ever was there. He was a rumored candidate at one point in time, uh, before they hired Tom Herman. But I mean, Larry Fedora, you know, I think he's a good coach, obviously coming off of a three and nine season. It's hard to say, yeah, this is the next guy to lead your program at name your school. Um, mm-hmm. obviously he wasn't really in a position where he wanted to leave this year. You heard a lot of the rumors kind of quiet down after the last off season. And you really didn't hear much of anything after a bunch of coaches were fired here. Um, of late. So is the shine off Larry Fedora? I mean, I'm not sure the shines off him as much as he may have just missed his opportunity if he really wanted to leave North Carolina. Now I think his next window will open up in, in a year or two, maybe if North Carolina takes a step forward next year, all of a sudden they go from three and nine to maybe like seven and five or eight and four or something like that and they make a bowl game next year. Then all of a sudden, I think you'll hear about Larry Fedora being a pretty serious candidate for you know whatever head coaching jobs open up moving forward. But Yeah, I think he missed his initial window, but that doesn't mean that another good job will open up down the line that he'll be interested in. Um, I think that he'll definitely have opportunities down the road because he's a really good coach. He's a great recruiter, um, most importantly. And, you know, if North Carolina is able to bounce back following a a tough season and a rebuild with a bunch of injuries and they get back to being one of the teams contending in the Coastal Division, I think they'll say more about Larry Fedora than, you know, a lot of people think of him as a coach maybe right now. So, um yeah, we'll just have to see how the next couple of years unfold. But I think Larry Fedora absolutely needs to have North Carolina moving back in the right direction, hanging into next season.
1: I think that's fair, but I will say that I do think it puts him in a little bit of a weird spot, you know, in that he needs another year or two to rebuild his resume. And meanwhile, you know, it's easy to imagine why the UNC fan base would get frustrated with his constant flirting with other programs and other jobs, you know, so it's like he needs to succeed for another year or two at North Carolina to go get one of those jobs. But him trying to get those jobs is also irritating the fan base. So you wonder if he'll get that time. Um, Yeah, exactly. Um, So kind of a weird spot for, for Larry to be in, but no reason to think that he won't be back next year as of uh, today, as we record this, Mike, last thing, looking ahead to 2018, uh, you know, just want to talk kind of maybe in general terms, will it be better or worse for North Carolina? And you could look at it one way and say, well, how could it possibly be worse? I think you could also look at it another way of like, This team has a lot that they've got in place to build on, and there's a lot of reason just objectively to think that 2018 will be a lot better than 2017 was. Is that fair?
0: Yeah, that's fair. Um, You know, North Carolina's recruiting class right now, I guess we'll start there, um, because most of North Carolina's team will be returning. they were very young on both sides of the football. Um, Currently right now, after the early signing period, North Carolina's class ranks 7th in the ACC and 37th nationally. So it's kind of a reflection, first of all, of how well the ACC is done in recruiting. Um, that North Carolina has a middle-of-the-road class in the ACC but a top 40 class overall Uh, so North Carolina will probably finish with a top 35 or 40 class um, by the time it's all said and done in February as far as the schedule is concerned I mean they do have you know a tough schedule I mean they play at home against UCF they have a road game at Cal to open up the season they're going on the road to East Carolina East Carolina should be improved Um, and that's You know, they got a Western Carolina game towards the end of the year. They shouldn't have any trouble handling. And then, you know, in ACC play, they got Miami on the road. Um, Duke, Virginia, and Syracuse are all winnable games, in my opinion. They do have Virginia Tech, Pitt, Georgia Tech. They got NC State at home as well. So, you know, there's some tough games in ACC play, as there always is. But I think it's safe to say North Carolina will be in a position to move forward and, and be better next season, just given what they have returning and what they'll have coming in as far as recruiting is concerned. I think the biggest thing for North Carolina and you mentioned this off the top is I think they need to find an identity heading into next year. So, you know, they struggled with that for most of the year. They tried to run the ball. They had, you know, rotating quarterbacks, inconsistent uh, play on the defense. I think finding an identity will be the most important thing to watch heading into next season for North Carolina to really determine if there'll be a team that's ready to move forward. Um, I think Nathan Elliott's a good quarterback. I think Chaz Surratt has the most upside. Brandon Harris is obviously gone and out of the fold as he graduates. So, It'll be interesting to see what happens out of spring camp. Um, I, I think it'll be a pretty open quarterback competition. But given how well Nathan Elliot played down the stretch, I don't think Chad Surratt is exactly a shoe, and uh, you know, become the front runner to win that starting quarterback job as a lot of people expected there. Kind of in the middle of the season when Surratt was dictating most of the snaps behind center, so I think first finding identity on offense and defense will be crucial. And then, you know, let's see how the young guys develop there for North Carolina. I think if they develop and you know they take a step forward next year and they stay healthy um, and don't get as injured as they were this year. I think it's safe to say they'll, they'll definitely improve.
1: Well, I think we got to say that Nathan Elliott's the guy moving forward. That, you know, for, for Surratt to be the starter at some point next year, I mean, he would have to beat out Nathan Elliott or Elliott would have to get hurt. Um, I, I think it's pretty clear that uh, Surratt played his way out of a job and Elliott played his way into one. So we'll, we'll see. Um, I, I think that there's a lot to be like the thing that you mentioned that I, I really get hung up on is that there is so much returning talent on this team. Uh, this is a classic, you know, rebuild team where you got a lot of freshmen and sophomores who are playing. And the, the cool thing about next year is that all those freshmen and sophomores become sophomores and juniors. Um, you know, they've got a whole bunch of experience. They can practice more effectively in the off season. They're more comfortable with what systems they're running all this. I think that North Carolina is going to be in good shape next year, as long as they can stay healthy. You know, you never know if that's going to happen or not, just by looking at a team, but uh, in any case, I I think the the Tar Heels are in good shape moving forward. Just got to take your lumps this year and and, kind of move on and and find some stuff to build on, which I think that they will. Uh, Again, getting most of their starters back, most of their key impact players are coming back, and they'll be uh, better in 2018, figure, than they were in 2017. Mike, anything else on North Carolina?
0: No, I think we're all set there. Um, Obviously a rough season for the Tar Heels, but it should be better moving forward.
1: Yeah, I, I think so. Let's get out of here. we got more teams to recap. Uh, in the meantime, you guys can find us on Twitter. I'm at FTRS Joey. He is at Mike McDaniel ACC, and together we're at BC Podcast ACC. You can send us an email to the longest email address, podcast at gmail.com. Nailed it. Yeah. Uh, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, the Overcast app, lots of different places. Mike, where can they find us on the social medias?
0: Facebook.com slash Basketball Conference. Rate, review, find all of our podcasts there, Joey.
1: Please do. And we're also trying out this new thing where we uh, post these videos up to our YouTube channel. So uh, I am i don't want to go find the uh, the actual uh, URL just yet, but go search for Basketball Conference on YouTube and you should hopefully find us there. Uh, we've, all, we've also got a, a, a national championship recap video that's up there as well. So go find that. Uh, Mike, let's go recap some of these other teams. Yep, absolutely. Talk to you then. For Mr. Mike McDaniel, I am Joey Weaver. Thanks, guys, for listening. We'll talk to you again soon. Until then... Go ACC!